Update. Today we're going to be discussing the death of Disney. They've been putting out flop after flop after flop, and we've actually gone and seen some of these, so let's break it down. All right, guys, happy Friday. It is one of the best days of the week, as you all know. I hope you guys have major weekend plans going on. You're going to do something fun, something cool. Let me know your weekend plans in the chat down below. We have Taylor in Nashville. Beer, beer, beer. Happy Friday. <laughs> and Scott in the Producers Bay. Yo, what's up, everyone? <laughs> hope you're all having a fantastic day. Today, I decided let's talk about Disney and just cast a wide net about this entire corporation, all of the movies and entertainment, if we can even call it entertainment, that it's putting out these days because they have been on a streak and not a winning streak, a losing streak with the new movies that they continue to put out. Uh, they've put out uh, seven original films in the last three years and all of them have flopped in the box office. They have not made uh, the money that was invested into them back. So we're going to discuss that for a little bit. And we're going to talk about Anthony Mackie. You guys might know Anthony Mackie from what he was in uh, the Black Mirror. What else is Anthony Mackie in? Uh, what, he you said there eight was mile? A movie? Yeah, eight mile. Eight I watched. Mile, I was yeah. gonna say there was a movie I watched recently that he was in, and that's Eight Mile, the whole Eminem story, which is actually a really good film. You probably know him from other movies as well. I think he was in Ant Man, so I'm sure a few of you are fans of that whole franchise and that whole storyline. He is going to play Captain America in Captain America uh, America Brave New World, which is going to come out in 2024, and he has something to say. He's been calling out a lack of black actors in Harry Potter and in Lord of the Rings films. And he says, I want to see Frodo in the hood. <laughs> now, I am not a major fan of Harry Potter or the Lord of the Rings. I've seen, I think, three Harry Potter films. And then I sort of put it on pause. I never really circled back to that one. We all know that Taylor and Scott are both major fans of uh, the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. So... <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Scott, are you Harry Potter, team Harry Potter too? I'm I know you're Lord of the Rings, but yeah, yeah. you. I'm definitely team Harry Potter uh, as it pertains to the books. Mm. Uh, I think the books oh, okay. are, are great, but uh, movies, eh, one of those middling, yeah. Okay, so do you guys too want to see Frodo in the hood? Is this something that uh, Lord of the Rings fans are calling for? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a Key and Peele sketch or something. Like I would watch that <laughs> as far as a serious adaptation of the books or into something like that. No, not really. Where okay, so where what is the land of the Lord of the Rings called? Middle, Middle Earth. Earth. Middle Earth. Okay, what is the hood of Middle Earth? Technically, <laughs> I, uh, I was gonna question. I was gonna say Bree was pretty accurate. Maybe that's yeah, that's actually a good a good point. Yeah, Bree's like a, a town of the race of men, uh, just outside the Shire. That is okay. pretty sketchy. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, so uh, apparently that would be the the hood of Middle Earth. <laughs> That is fascinating. So yeah, of course, you know, Anthony Mackie is into this whole uh, race storyline. He thinks that Hollywood is lacking in opportunities for specifically young black actors. He was also featured in that film, The Hate You Give, which was essentially an entire story based off of a book uh, about police brutality. So you, you get a little bit where he's coming from here and maybe where his ideology lies in saying these sorts of things. Here's a quote from him. 
He says, there's no effing black. Uh, Harry Potter had no effing black friends, the actor asserted. Frodo walked across the entire universe and never met a black dude. I want to see Frodo in the hood, which if I ever do Saturday Night Live is going to be a skit that I'm going to do. Mm. How do you guys feel about that? How do you guys feel about the fact that uh, Harry Potter had no black friends? Well, first off, that's incorrect, because if he read the books, he would know that there were actually black characters within within that universe. Uh, and secondly, Frodo didn't traverse the entire universe. He traversed a land, and it mm -hmm. was arguably, uh, what, what would you say, uh, Taylor, a couple hundred kilometers you know, over the, <laughs> uh, maybe a couple thousand, you know, over the course. So, like, what is he talking about? The universe is quite large. I love that. We're getting into the logistics here of uh, how, how large Middle Earth is. <laughs> <laughs> the size of Middle Earth. Yeah, and, I mean, it was a Middle Earth, a fictional world created uh out of inspiration that's based on the, the lore and mythologies of the scandinavian peoples of europe and the peoples of europe so you know i'm there's no uh expectation that you should have to see a dark pigmented person in that universe but even so the fact that you can't you know like lord of the rings harry potter these both of these books and these these creative works of story are for everybody because they contain timeless narratives and themes and things that you can relate to about what it means to be a hero, about friendship, about good and evil and all of that. And if your worldview is so shallow and narrow that you can't appreciate that or relate to it because the people on the screen or the people in the story don't have the same color skin as you, that's a failure on the part of your worldview, not on the part of the authors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does suck to just view everything through that lens and think, you know, if their skin color doesn't match mine, I can no way, in no way, shape or form relate to these characters. And it's it's sort of this narrative that, you know, black people against supremacy when it comes to diversity in films, uh, this this article very astutely points out that there are non-white classmates in Harry Potter and uh, throughout the books and in the film, Padma Patil and mm -hmm. Cho Chang, which a lot of Asian people apparently were very upset at the fact that Cho Chang was named Cho Chang because it's apparently just like giving a character two last names. Uh, so <laughs> maybe not the most accurate representation <laughs> of diverse characters, but they are there nonetheless. Nonetheless, and uh, they're, they are represented in the film, but apparently it's not enough if you don't put a black character. So I am wondering if his sort of point of view is going to be injected into this new Captain America that comes out next year. I'll be honest again, where I have not really watched any of the Harry Potter films or the Lord of the Rings films. I also don't watch superhero films. So. Yeah. Yeah, I would have to say he was previously the Falcon in the first phase and second phase of right. the Marvel series. And he's already done a show, a Captain America show, where he like essentially became Captain America, was yeah. telling senators and politicians to do better and all that kind of stuff. This is earlier on in the BLM riots um, and everything like that. So I can only imagine this is going to go even deeper down that rabbit hole. Right. It's going to be top tier now that he's going to be the main focal point of the film, it seems. Uh, and I guess the, the powers have been passed on and he's going to, you know carry on the torch for the whole uh, Captain America franchise uh, when this movie comes out next year. But all of this is, you know, under the umbrella of Disney Corporation, or I believe maybe Walt Disney Pictures is uh, the, the name of the larger institution that has its hand in this. And as I said before, over the past three years, Disney has theatrically released seven original films, and you'll know some of these, Elemental, Strange World, Turning Red, Encanto, Luca, 
Raya and the Last Dragon and Soul. And all of these films have flopped in the box office or in their streaming service releases. This uh, guy on Twitter, Ilya, points out, and he says, guess how many of those made money? Exactly none. People claim they want something new, but they never show up. I think the issue with this tweet is that Disney is very rarely delivering something new when they put out an original theatrical release. They're always repackaging their ideology in the same way. They're force feeding you the same narrative in the same way, injecting their little, you know, non-binary this, LGBTQ that, virtue signaling here, and then putting that out and expecting people to want to see it. I think gone are the days of that golden era of Disney where they were just putting out banger after banger after banger. And you could go and watch these films and see something new. The animation was fresh. The characters were fresh. The voice acting was fresh. The message was fresh. And now they're A, I think playing it safe and B, so much more focused on, you know, this woke narrative that they don't even care whether or not the story is actually landing for their audiences. And they're shoveling millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into these films. Uh, most recently, or at least the most recent one that we watched, Indiana Jones, which they put in $300 million. And I don't even think they got $100 million back. Yeah, no, I that the last figures I saw was like 60 million and it's basically flipped for one of the, I can't remember which one of the original three, but I think they had a budget of like 20 million for the first one. And that made like a billion dollars in today's dollar or in today's time. So just the fact that they're pumping, you know, orders of magnitude, more money into the, the creation of the film, but it's performing or orders of magnitude worse is telling that they've kind of lost their way. And the, and like you said, the magic is gone. The uh, golden age is over. They, they've lost something about the, just the way that they can t tell stories that relate, that resonate with people that inspire people that make them want to come for more. Like, and we saw that, that Hollywood's still capable of that with movies like Top Gun Maverick that everyone just loved and embraced and wanted to keep going and seeing. True. Um, and that's what Disney used to be able to do. Uh, but they appear to have lost it. Yeah, I was going to add on top of that, like the $300 million figure you're talking about, that's just the production budget. You have to also factor in the marketing budget, which is mm. usually at least half of what the production budget is, if not more. And this one, they, they were pushing it hard too because they knew it was probably of lower quality in terms of storytelling. So we're talking many, many digits here. And then yeah. on top of it, Taylor's figure, the 60 million was strictly opening weekend. So yeah, it's most likely gained more, more uh, dollars over the past couple days, but uh, mm. that's a really bad opening weekend for such a highly anticipated movie or anticipated. Yeah, I guess. They, they ain't breaking even. They're going to yeah. lose money on it for sure. Yeah. I wonder at what point does, you know, Disney lose its reputation? I feel like it's on the precipice of it right now, but it still has some of that just like old school love that people have for for Walt Disney and the Disney Corporation and the, you know, previous pieces of art that they actually put out to where, you know, it's fizzling a little bit, but people still seem to have hope that there's going to be some grand comeback that we're going to head back into the golden era of Disney movies. Uh, hopefully it's soon. I don't know how much longer you can continue to lose money like this and put out bad projects that nobody wants to watch before you, you know, switch leadership, start thinking of new things and actually getting a pulse on what your audience wants. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last film that they've put out that everybody just loved. Like, it seems like the... Uh... Like with Star Wars, they rebooted that and like each movie in Star Wars did progressively worse in uh, box office returns. 
uh, I can't think of something that they've rebooted that has been like universally loved and excitement. I guess you could say some of like the other shows like the uh, Mandalorian and things like that generated a lot of buzz. Mm -hmm. But uh, it just seems like the preponderance of evidence that we have is that Disney is incapable of uh, making movies that people love anymore by and large. And they may have a hit now and then, but uh, it's just a downward spiral. They continue to lose money. And, and the question is, is why? Is it because of its agenda driven? Is it because they've lost their way in storytelling? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I kind of triggered some people on social media uh, this morning with a tweet that I, I, in response to the tweet that you read about Disney's recent uh, recent releases, I said, mm -hmm. the new original films flop because they're as shallow and hollow as the modern values that they espouse. And Ooh. that's my, my general theory on this. And that's more a criticism of modern values and trying to and trying to tell stories that are come out of that because really Disney seems to create stories that reflect the values of the time that they're in mm -hmm. generally but as, uh, oftentimes we see them go a step beyond that and try to inject ideology of their modern political uh thinking into the stories as well uh you know, I saw some people in the chat saying, well, Encanto was really good and it was creative and stuff and there was good values in that. And I, I, I defer and say, you know, maybe that's maybe that's true and maybe they do have genuine creativity and they, they put, you know, nothing super woke or triggering. But even so, it just seems like they're not digging as they're not they're not hearkening to timeless truths and timeless narratives like they once did. And uh, it's. I, there, there's just a failure there that I think is there. There's some explanation for this, and that's my theory, at least. So I don't know. I'm curious to hear what y'all think of that. Yeah, I just don't know that there's going to be like these quintessential Disney characters that are remembered, if, you know, you know, timelessly from these films that are being put out now. Uh, I'll speak to not Encanto, but Elemental, and I've read many a synopsis on this film. Have not had the chance to watch it yet, so I'm speaking from that perspective. But it to me it seems like they just like repackage that Zootopia film that they put out. It's a, Elemental is essentially a film that was created to tell you not to be racist <laughs> and to say that people of different backgrounds can fall in love, which, you know, both things are true. You shouldn't be racist and people from different backgrounds can fall in love. But were we ever really in a squabble over that in the modern day and age? And is that really right. something? Is that really a timeless message? Essentially what they did with the film is they took, you know, a bustling city like New York and said, you know, instead of different races, we're just going to make them different elements, which is exactly what was done with Zootopia. Instead of different races, we're just going to make them different animals and tell them not to hate each other. And that's the message of the film. I was driving uh, here in L.A. I don't remember what street I was on, but I was driving with my boyfriend and we saw this big uh, billboard. And on the billboard, I shit you not, it said, stop being racist. That's what the billboard said. So somebody paid thousands upon thousands of dollars for this billboard telling people to stop being racist to uh, for that to be put up. And that's essentially what Disney is doing with its movies right now. And you look at that billboard as you're driving past it and you go, you know what? I was going to be racist, but then I read that billboard and it reminded me not to hate people of different backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially that is what disney is doing and that is what elemental did it's just like this completely morally obvious argument to be made in a movie that in no way is going to become a timeless classic whereas you had other films where you have your protagonist sort of you know 
beat something like beat a struggle or you have these really amazingly you know written villains that the protagonist was up against and you could see that you know disney was saying you should invest yourself in your in your intelligence you should bet on yourself you should try as hard as you can you can do things that people don't expect of you and that was the message now it's like don't be racist. Yeah, it's it, to your point, uh, Taylor and, and Amala, like it, it's literally an echo of what it once was, uh, a shadow yeah. maybe at best. And uh, to your point, like I'm, I was trying to think of a movie as well, like what Disney's remakes, uh, the, the last one that did really well was probably, I don't know, Jungle Book, which was early 2010s maybe, if anything. Okay. Yeah. And that was all CGI anyway. Um, so uh, it's... Ultimately, like the strange thing is, if you think about Disney from the from its original concept back in the day, it's it was essentially a, a their ability to repackage old fairy tales like the Grimm fairy the Grimm brothers fairy tales um, and all those archetypal stories that have mm-hmm. grown up throughout all of mankind and what we've learned in 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 life and how to go about battling those those villains those obstacles um, and those tragedies in life and how to move forward and through them um, and defeat them and so Disney honestly created a business by just learning how to repackage those and bring them up visually to the masses in general. And I feel like they've, they've really stepped away from, um, repackaging those, uh, from a, a, uh, good faith, uh, sort of approach. Right. And now they're just repackaging them. Um, and they're, they're essentially trying to create success on, on the bones of the great stories that were told in the past. And now they're just injecting it as you guys, as you guys were pointing out with the blood, the muscles and the anemic sort of storytelling that, um, is in the messaging and ideology of today. It's, it's, it's horrendous. Yeah. It's just like, Again, like like I always say, you'll you'll have these movies be stamped with the year that they're made and the year that they were put out, and they'll never like go beyond that. And they also have a wicked case of strong female lead syndrome. I'm thinking of all the different Disney movies that I've watched recently that are like, we must we must inject a feminist icon who transcends like womanhood into masculinity. Elemental does it. Indiana Jones does it. What else? Yeah. Peter Pan and Wendy does it. Uh, I'm sure. All the films that I haven't seen have done that as well. Turning Red is just like strong female lead syndrome. And it's it's just getting really boring to watch now because you can you just always know what to expect. It's so very predictable, whereas like these old films used to just like keep you on your toes and you didn't know what was going to happen. And I mean, The Little Mermaid, too. Another case of like strong female lead syndrome over and over and over. They come out with these uh with these storylines and no longer can you have like a female character that has like an outward antagonist. It's always like they're battling something internally and they're struggling to be themselves. And how can I be more myself by the end of this film? Ah, it's so tragic. Yeah. I think great stories tap into, you know, the, the universal human experience of like you, you insert the the person watching into that hero's journey and you make it a relatable struggle that they have to overcome, a journey, an adventure that they have to go on because we all are in our lives going through our lives and and that itself is a type of adventure. And so we we need like analogs for that to tell us how to behave or what what hero is, what it looks like to be a hero, what how a hero would go about the challenges that they face and what that means to overcome. And even though that's a very simple structure, um, it's it's one that you have to follow whenever you start to inject like predetermined 
battles that you're fighting against these boogeymen of racism and uh, the patriarchy and your whole narrative is like reverse engineered to fight against these very specific things that come from a simplistic worldview that is just all about the most meaningful thing in the world to to the, these writers seems to be political activism and they see themselves as the heroes against these uh, these forces of racism and stuff in the world. And like all that is betrayed by the stories that you're telling. And I just can't help but think as we're talking about this back to um, J.R. Tolkien and and uh, J.K. Rowling, like th that that's examples of people who understood the archetypes, but also brought a freshness and a creativity to it that was as rich and as beautiful and as diverse as the world that we live in. And it, and it rings true when we watch those stories because it feels like, it's as complex and as intricate and as uh, just interesting as real life. And we can relate to the characters and what they're feeling and the worlds that they immerse us in are so captivating because there's just genuine creativity. J.R.R. Tolkien called it sub-creation. We're here in all of creation and life is so beautiful and complex and intricate and all this. Sub-creation is making art that reflects the vastness of the beauty of the world in which we live. And that's not the headspace that the people who are making these stories now at Disney seem to be operating in. They seem to be thinking inside a very closed-minded box that is just about this these same tired tropes. And it's just, it, it's not hitting for people. And this isn't just us saying this. It's not like conservative hand-wringing over this stuff. Like the original article that brought that spurred all this and the tweet that we reacted to was from Variety, which is a, a very popular mainstream publication in Hollywood that covers Hollywood. And they're asking themselves, why is Disney flopping? And so they are flopping and we, we all need to think about why. Yeah. And it's interesting that you talk about that like sort of sub-creation because then you go to the, the theater and you watch these movies and it's done so well and so intricately that you can kind of escape into a, a different world. But when you have this sort of superficial understanding of the world with these Disney films that is so clearly like just handed to you and animated for you in these films, there's no sense of escapism. It's like, why would why would I go to the movie theater to be pandered to if I'm a leftist of the same messages that I'm hearing every single day as, you know, I'm reading books or articles or talking to my friends. And as a conservative or somebody who's, you know, anti-woke, why would I go to the movies to be hated on and just live in some sort of superficial world that is not intricately created that doesn't help me, you know, escape in any way, shape or form into something other than the life that I lead, which when you hear actors talk about their roles in these films, it becomes very clear how different Hollywood has become because constantly these actors in their personal interviews are like, you know, I'm really bringing myself into this character. I'm really using this character to function as like a reflection for my own life and my own personal struggles and who I am, which is exactly not what you're supposed to do <laughs> when given a character. Like when when Halle Bailey's talking about, you know, it's so important for me to like represent myself within Ariel. I'm like, wait a second. No, it's not. You're supposed to be given a character. You're supposed to take yourself out of your world, place yourself in theirs, and explore that to the fullest extent to where when I see you on the screen, I don't recognize what your real world struggles are or what your personal beliefs are, but they can't do it anymore. They must inject their personal beliefs into these movies. And you couple that with these conversations they're having around representation where no actor can play something other than what they are, and it shows you what their deeper philosophies are when it comes to film and movies and creativity. They don't want to see a new character created or a new world created or something that doesn't, you know, promote their own worldview. 
they want to essentially act out themselves in their own lives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's part and parcel with like you point to the actors, actresses um, across the gamut, the especially the up and coming ones who are saying these things. It's mm -hmm. just like they're the narcissism to try and infuse your own image right. within a character that is not you. You're paid to play. Right. It's just it's oozing and you're you're just saying it out loud like you. It's blowing my mind that they they don't see this in themselves. That is just pure narcissism manifest. Yeah, I mean, the Barbie movie is coming out soon. I am going to go hopefully and watch it. I don't know that I'll be in L.A. when it when it releases. But uh, Amy Schumer was supposed to play Barbie in that film. They dodged a massive bullet uh, in her not playing that uh, that part. But the reason that she left, she cited creative differences and essentially said Barbie was not feminist enough for me to play the role. And to that, I'm like, whoever said it was supposed to be? You are meant to play a separate character. It doesn't matter whether or not that character is a reflection of your personal views. That's the whole point of acting. <laughs> so to leave a role and what would have been a really great role that she probably would have gotten a lot of money for because the character is not exactly who you are makes absolutely no sense. Also, what version of feminism are you talking about? Because I, I, if you go back far enough in history, I don't think I saw a Hollywood actress being a lead role in a film mm -hmm. back in the 40s, 50s, uh, 40s and 30s, you know, when they had the motion pictures. Like, it is incredible that this is a story about a female. Granted, it's, you know, uh, make-believes and, and sure. fantasy, but it's still, you're, the actress is playing the main role. And you don't see that throughout history. So it's just like, yeah. who, what definition of feminism are you are you talking about here? Right. Same energy with uh, with Anthony Mackie and him playing Captain America. It's like, where's the gratitude of like, wow, what a what an opportunity I have to and a responsibility I have to steward representing this character that represents American values and the what it, the real inclusion of, of what it is to be America, where we judge not on the basis of your skin color, but on character and what it what it means to represent that and have the opportunity to. I'm so grateful for that. No, it's oh, yeah, but Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings aren't black enough. And I'm going to infuse my values into my creativity into this character that I didn't create or come up with or yeah, it's like you're standing on the shoulders mm -hmm. of the creativity of genuine creativity of other people and something that means a lot to a lot of people and then you're just using that as a veneer for your own agenda and your own narcissism and that is it's so off off-putting but did i sorry i cut you off on one no you didn't know you didn't i just wanted to mention that we got a 50 dollars super chat from steven sanders he says one of the officers in my face mask arrest has resigned and i have references available also your story on Sheehan was eye-opening we don't use them anymore thank you so much steven and i'm glad to hear that update in regard to your story yeah it's it's tough the whole Sheehan thing because there's so much fast fashion going around right now but yeah it's uh it's a company that i no longer uh, support Anyways, back to the the subject. Yeah, Scott, what were you going to say? I, I did want to add on to what Taylor was talking about. Um, and I forgot the point, so back to you. <laughs> it happens to the yeah. best of well, us, I was, man. I meant to say, too, like, I in a vacuum, like, if you wanted to cast Black Captain America, like, I don't have a problem of that on its face, but it's the... It's the victimhood that is being attached to that and the narratives that are being crafted within this casting that just seem to be more about the agenda than carrying 
on the legacy and the torch of what right. the character of Captain America actually is meant to represent. And it's just mm -hmm. hijacking the original intent of the creative people whose soldiers you're standing on to put your own personal stuff on it. And I just can't be on board with that. Dude, mm -hmm. and the fact that he says, man, I want to see Frodo in the hood, which means that your frame of reference for having black characters means that Frodo must go through a hood. Like, it's kind of are, are you kidding me? Like, you think black and you think, oh, they need to have some sort of a hood in Middle Earth. It's just kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy that that's your your reference. And I, I like similarly with Amy Schumer in the whole Barbie thing where she's like Barbie. The Barbie movie was not feminist enough. I don't know where people are getting this twisted. I know they're like Barbie wears heels all the time and sometimes she wears short skirts or whatever. Barbie was used as a toy to teach young girls that they could do and be anything. She's been represented in so many different careers as a politician, as a teacher, as a lifeguard, all these different things. It was a tool used to show little girls that you can imagine yourself, be it, albeit, you know, even though she is blonde and, and blue eyed or whatever, you can be whatever you want to be. I actually went to the sort of like world of Barbie exhibit that they have here in L.A. just to like check it out. I thought it would be like good knowledge for watching this upcoming movie and everything. And the amount of just different Barbie like landscapes and jobs you could have and skin colors. And now they have like the Down syndrome Barbie that they've released who can have all the different careers as all the other Barbies. What is more feminist than that? But they go, oh, blonde haired, blue eyed, skinny. So she's anti-feminist. <sighs> I can't do I'm that. really curious to see what they're going to do with this film, because for yeah. for them, it's like on the one hand, Barbie's this really popular thing in pop culture and all that but on the other hand it sort of is the very thing that they hate of you know oh it's bad for body image and you know it's too feminine for women and women are supposed to act like men now and all this stuff so uh it's going to be interesting to see them try to do this without being like here's a barbie movie we hate barbie you know It'll be right mm -hmm. it will be i think they're going to cast a lot of different diverse people to play different versions of barbie that's what i'm anticipating oh uh, yeah, yeah like a multiverse version of it and i think I, I think i've grasped the idea that i had earlier when, when taylor was talking um so i i remember we did we covered the uh, spider-verse movie uh, mm -hmm. recently in a, in a video and I remember seeing a lot of people talking about how Miles Morales is its own character and it's not race swapped and everything. But objectively, you can make the argument similar to what Anthony Mackie's character uh, actor he's now doing to Captain America, the character. Mm -hmm. um, it's just because you find a creative way to um, necessarily capture the name of Spider-Man and become the new Spider-Man. Just because you found a creative way to do that uh, through storytelling doesn't necessarily mean that it's not race swapping. It's like you've objectively taken the name and the character itself, plus all the powers and everything that goes along with it and become something new, mm -hmm. uh, new. Uh, you've just put a different face on it. Um, so to say it's not that um, is objectively wrong because you have truly taken what created the original or what was in the original character and just put it on a different person and face yeah um, so mm -hmm. i don't know that that that's kind of part and parcel with what marvel's doing with uh, captain america and anthony mackie and while it may have happened in the in the comics a lot of things have happened in the comics that have turned out to be terrible storytelling and mm -hmm. we've seen that multiple times with ironheart and and multiple other characters uh that have recently come out within the marvel uh cinematic un or cinematic universe and uh comic universe so i might actually set aside time to watch the spider-verse because i know i i've heard of all the like little propaganda things they put in there the blm sticker the pro trans kids flags and all that stuff and 
there's clearly an element of we must inject our ideology into this. But I'm wondering if they did it in a way where it's like, oh, we can scrub this for our international audiences and make sure that everything's fine and packaged. Because so many people are like, this is such a great story and it was such a great movie and they actually did this version right. I'm curious to actually see uh, whether or not that's true. Because it has gotten glowing reviews. Yeah, yeah. It, mm-hmm. And I've heard it is an objectively good movie and solid storytelling. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think they're being truthful when they're saying, oh, it's not a race swap, it's not a race swap. It's right. like, well, like, then why isn't he a different, a different, you hero. know, a mm-hmm. hero? Yeah, a different yeah. superhero. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make sense to me to, I don't know. That's, that's constantly <laughs> like what we're saying. Like, why not create actual original movies? But then... They're incapable of creating actual original films with original storylines. They just much they have to like repackage things and then just, you know, paint a different thing on it and then put it out into the world. And then they'll call it an original, even though it's just like a complete repackaging and remake of something they've made prior. Yeah, they're either repackaging old heroes or they're repackaging the same old ideas or not old ideas, I guess, new ideas uh, with different (laughs) creative veneers on it. But it's just shallow storytelling and shallow values and they don't resonate with people and then they take the uh the old heroes and try to prop themselves up and it flops too so until they learn and dig dig a little deeper and figure uh figure that out like they're gonna continue to flop dig a little deeper i think that's a cheetah girl song for all of my uh og (laughs) disney fans out there (laughs) um now here's a movie that i i need to put on my list apparently to watch because it's being talked about before we got into that we got a 50 dollars super chat from ocd 93 which we'll read immediately disney has greenlit a tv show where a teen accidentally gets impregnated by satan it's supposed to be added to disney plus i canceled my bundle subscription they've gone too far the sound of freedom movie uh starring have you starring have you seen it yet i guess you didn't put who who it was starring we are just about to segue it was a perfect (laughs) moment for that uh super chat i have not heard about that disney plus film that you're referencing i'm gonna have to look into that uh and see what that is all about because that seems sort of inappropriate for disney plus so we're we're gonna have to check that out. But it seems par for the course for Disney Plus TBH. Honestly, it's, if if the train keeps on the same track, then maybe that is uh, what makes sense for their entire uh, business. But speaking of Sound of Freedom, that's the movie that I have on my list that I need to go and watch. It is really a, a retelling of the story of Tim Ballard, who is a friend of the show, has been on this show, has an organization uh, called OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, where he essentially infiltrates uh, human trafficking rings, uh, and specifically those that are uh, involving children, and helps to uh, get law enforcement involved and save these kids from the situations that they are in. This uh, movie, Sound of Freedom, is going to be shedding light on that exact issue and Tim Ballard's story. Here's a clip from Fox News discussing it. Out, and we are talking, as you said, innocent children, tens of thousands trafficked in the United States, organs, as you said, being harvested. And here's the reaction to the film about a real life individual, Tim Ballard, who rescues these children. Here's the takeaway from The Guardian. Sound of Freedom, the QAnon adjacent thriller seducing America. They go on to call it a paranoid new movie. What is your reaction when you hear a headline like that? Well, you know, I'm just so grateful that the people are showing up in theaters. Yeah. I mean, we have a we have a goal of two million people in theaters for two million children that will be trafficked this year, and we're very close to 
to get to that goal. And this is amazing. And this is important because if we succeed in the uh, in theaters, then the media is going to talk about this problem. Millions of people will not about will know about this because there's a lot of people they don't know that this is real. They think that this is too far from them. It's happening next door behind your house. And the more people, if more people know about this problem, so there's no excuse anymore to say, oh, I didn't know. Well, now you know. What are you going to do? I'm focusing on that right now. There is a lot of, you know, uh, distractions out there. They're, they're being, you know, they're trying to take this movie away from theaters. There's, I made this film five years ago. For three years, everyone passed. Netflix, mm -hmm. Amazon, everybody said, this is not for us. This is not for us. This is not for us. Until finally, I was praying for an angel to come and rescue this film. And Angel Studios came. And because mm -hmm. of them now, millions of people are watching this film. As you said, at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, when they leave the theater, they... You know, they're crying, they're, they're touched, they, they want to become ambassadors of freedom. And my goal as a filmmaker is that when people see the movie, they will ask the same question that I asked myself eight years ago. What can I do? Because now that you know it, if you do nothing, then that's sad. Then you're part of the problem. And I want everyone to be part of the solution. I did this exercise uh, when I met Tim Ballard. I closed my eyes and I said, what if this is my son? What if... What if this is my daughter? What would I do? I will stop everything that I'm doing, and I will hope that the entire world will stop everything they're doing so they can help me to find my child. That's my motivation. That's what I wake up every day in the morning to fight to end child trafficking. I made a promise to God that I would dedicate my entire life to end child So The Guardian calls this QAnon adjacent. So very wild, especially if you've heard from Tim Ballard and just had a moment to hear some of the stories that he tells in going to find these children who are victims of human trafficking, how much work his organization has done. They're working uh, with, with members of the military, law enforcement, trying to go in and save as many people as they can from the horrific and heinous crime that is human trafficking. So to hear somebody who's directly experienced it, and it's not just Tim Ballard, it's this entire team that he works with. There's uh, an actress who you all would know uh, from Riverdale. I believe she plays Camila Mendez's mother in that show. She's gone on uh, missions alongside Tim Ballard and you know, staged herself as somebody who was going to purchase children from these human traffickers in order to bring them to just justice and to get information about them uh, to law enforcement. So. You have people who have directly experienced this and then you put out a movie to, you know, detail exactly what's going on to let people in on this. And it gets called QAnon adjacent. Now, why is it that The Guardian and these media outlets and, you know, all of these different streaming services wouldn't want a movie that many people are willing to watch, want to watch and want to support about human trafficking on their sites? And when they do put them on their sites, they're calling them QAnon adjacent. You guys answer that for me. <laughs> Little weird. And with the yeah, reputation. This seems like something that anybody, like everybody should be able to agree on, mm -hmm. right? Like this is a, this movie is a very straightforward call to action to care about human trafficking and to ask yourself what you can do about it to bring the reality home. Like, you know, I, I'm reminded of like Schindler's List and just what a sobering type of movie that was but imagine you know a holocaust type movie but that's still you're at the time that it's still happening and that's basically a you know a, a metaphor for what's this movie is portraying that's this stuff is still happening at present mm -hmm. and uh they just brought it right to your doorstep to bring the reality home and rather than taking that seriously and taking the suffering that these kids who are being trafficked are going through seriously 
they just dismiss it as propaganda. It just, it makes, it's so inhumane and it makes absolutely no sense. And, and these are the same people who, at least in, in Hollywood and the leftists who are writing these articles, who will make a, a thousand movies about the history of slavery in America, will write a thousand articles about how, you know, black people in the modern day and age deserve reparations for the heinous crimes committed against them uh, in slavery and, and, you know, throughout the Jim Crow era and all this stuff. This is real life slavery happening today. And more people than were ever enslaved during the period that America uh, was involved with the slave trade. And really, if you want to talk about slavery in America, we are, you know, this country purchases lots of human beings through human trafficking and sex trafficking, lots and lots of them. But they want to focus on, you know, the 1860s rather than focusing on what's actually happening. And when you try to bring light to it and make a movie about it, they denounce it. They don't want it on their streaming services. And when they talk about it, they call you a tinfoil conspiracy theorist. That's yeah, it's projection, really, right? They're saying that this movie is seducing America with a narrative about a, cons a spirit conspiracy theory. And they're the ones seducing America with a conspiracy theory of all this modern day systemic racism and the you know boogeyman of the patriarchy and all this stuff. That That's the conspiracy theory here. This is really happening. And they refuse to acknowledge it. Absolutely. And I will see. I think this film is going to get a lot of press. It, it has uh, since it's been recently put out and many people are talking about it. I am going to watch it here uh, shortly and uh, maybe I'll give you my thoughts once I'm once I'm done watching it. We got another $50 super chat from OCD 93 saying, sorry, starring Jim Cavisil. Cavisil. OK, uh, the TV show is called Pauline. Also, Look into one called Little Demon that was created by a company owned by Disney as well. I checked both out on Snopes. Had to hear about it from my 15-year-old nephew. Yikes. Yeah, we'll look into that show. That is very interesting. What, a, what an interesting choice from Disney. But they continue to make uh, quite interesting choices that I would personally never make. And uh, apparently the public would never make because nobody is going to watch these movies. And it will probably flop much like everything else that uh, Disney is putting out these days. I think we're going to get into Super Chats. It's about that time. About that time. All righty. Let's pull them up here. Get them in, guys, if you have not yet. Uh, Rebecca Brock is kicking us off today. She says, if you want to see a great movie, go see Sound of Freedom. Uh, <laughs> I just watched it, and the Indiana Jones movie, Sound of Freedom, has a better hero in it. Okay, there yeah, it is. Yeah, it outperformed Sound of or uh, Sound of Freedom outperformed Indiana Jones at the box office on July wow. 4th, I think, which That's is really insane. Impressive. Yeah, wow. A movie they filmed five years ago on probably literally a fraction of the budget oh, is definitely. already outperforming. Yeah, I think the budget was $14.5 Compared to 300 and what now? Probably <laughs> 450 what, Yeah, 5% of the budget? That's wow. insane. Wow. Wow. Uh, all righty. Thank you for the super chat, Rebecca. THV Gratz says, when can we expect a collaboration with Brett Cooper? <laughs> Hope you guys are all having a great day. It's we asked. haven't had that question in a while, so we I guess that we were due. Uh, but I don't know, guys. I don't know. Maybe one of these I'm going to keep saying it happened. It's in the Omelette <laughs> documentary because not enough of y'all have watched that on the channel <laughs> yet. And so that's fair. You can see Amala and Brett on the same screen. In the same not room. Not Photoshop, not AI generated. Yeah. It was for real. Mm -hmm. and, Although it uh, sounds AI generated. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Cassidy Borwig says, hey, Amala, I'm your age and I have a 10-month-old daughter. I'm so scared of what recent media has been showing our kids. No more Disney in my house, sadly. Hoping more parents do the same for the sake of the kids. Same here. My kids, my future kids, are getting old Disney films, if if any, and uh, that's what they're watching. They're not watching any of this new stuff. None of the new Nickelodeon stuff, none of the new Disney stuff, none of the new Cartoon Network stuff. Absolutely none of it. We're going back to the old days, back to what was good and right. <laughs> and my kid is going to have a bunch of deep, deep cut references uh, when he or she goes to school because they're going to know all the stuff that these other kids know nothing about. Y'all know nothing about that. <laughs> What's like your cutoff year, say, for Disney movies? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I mean, I remember watching like Good Luck Charlie, which was what? That was late like 2000s early 2010s right that's probably yeah, i was when thinking things... probably around the 2010 mark yeah the, the woke insanity really seemed to hit mainstream critical mass around 2012 2013 so. yeah i think that that's the cutoff for me they can watch anything before that mm. Mm. uh let's see erica owen says this is my first time catching a live i'm over disney not a fan thank you for all your do i like your studio ghibli poster my favorite oh. is my neighbor <laughs> Totoro. Totoro. Yeah, oh. that's Totoro. A great, it's a great movie. Yeah, my neighbor Totoro. Very good. Oh. Yeah, you guys know I love Studio Ghibli here. And uh, it's my fave over Disney. My kids will be watching that far before they watch Disney. <laughs> Although I just don't know because some of the uh, they can watch what they can watch Howl's Moving Castle first because that's not too scary. I think they might get a little bit scared by Spirited Away if they're too young. Uh, so we'll hold off on that one. But I cannot I just cannot wait to pass down things that I like watched and books that I read to my to my future children. That's exciting. I saw a thing on Instagram. It was like Studio Ghibli, uh, Harry Potter. There's a concept art or whatever. Oh, that's cool. Were, like if they remade it, I'm like, I can get behind that. Yeah. That's a remake I could. <laughs> you watch that. Behind. I mean, it all depends on the execution, I guess. But sounds like they're tr more trustworthy than Disney. Mm -hmm. uh, Diva Dawn says, Disney has abandoned Walt's dream. That's why they are failing. They have lost sight of the original magic that made Disney what it was. They have. I, that's. There's just like these brilliant fundamentals that were in place uh, which as large as Disney could have become at least you could have been like at least they adhered to those fundamentals that they had in the beginning and now that they've lost it and it's like oh come on now some it needs a resurgence somebody needs to come and like I don't know slap some sense into these people speaking of losing the magic did you guys like our pun in the title today yeah. the most <laughs> tragical guys, place on earth did you guys get the pun <laughs> <laughs> if you have to ask him if they got it, probably didn't. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, Yasmin M says, not sure if you already spoke on this, but I'm curious to know what you think about the discourse surrounding the Barbie movie dismantling gender roles. We got into that a little bit. Yeah, we did. I have not heard any like whispers about what's going to be in the Barbie movie. I've seen the, the few clips that they've put out and all the like crazy marketing they've done. The marketing budget on this movie has got to be insane. But I, I really don't know about what's the woke narratives are going to be so we'll see i'm going to watch it diva dawn says oh we got that one just kidding uh steve and sanders we got that one suspicious duck adventures says one of your lds viewers my wife and i owe you for all the great work that you do oh thank you so much are you guys in utah <laughs> what other what other states have really big guess. lds populations are there any other Idaho, states that maybe? have really? I don't know. I don't know. Oregon, huh. Oregon had a good, good contention. Oregon? Yeah. Hmm. Let us know in the chat. Has. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. 
Uh, Karen Cueva says, on Disney, are the writers still on strike? Will we get House of Dragon on time or will it be delayed? Hi from Houston, Texas. Fire I think, emoji, hot emoji, sun emoji. I think the writers <laughs> are still on strike. It hasn't been getting much buzz, but yeah. Thank I, God, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, I the, I know a few people in LA who like work in the film industry who are not writers, and it's like completely ruining their careers that these people are striking. They're getting no jobs. There's nothing to do. So it kind of yeah. sucks on on that end of things. Whenever I drive past these writers who are striking, it's always like. Uh, White, young, blue-haired Birkenstocks, and I'm just like looking at you, and I'm going, "There's no way." I and I just see it. Me and my boyfriend and I, every time we see it, we're like, "Just go, go to work, go back to work." And if you are creating good writing, and if you are creating something that is valuable enough for you to earn more money, then guess what? You will be in demand, and that will earn you more money. What this writer strike tells me is that you're all creating like subpar writing, and nobody wants to pay you more because you're not doing great things, and. The movies that we're watching in the box office dictate exactly that. So do your job better. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Like, I don't have sympathy for this. I don't. <laughs> yeah. You're such a capitalist. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just do better. <laughs> I mean, uh, Scott, you seem like you're going to weigh in there. But I was going to say, uh, aren't they, aren't the actors up for like renegotiating the terms of yep. their union that's the problem is like hollywood everything's unionized with production and that's why they're going overseas or to different states and stuff because uh, it's so expensive to make anything here because you have to pay all these wages to people that are probably underperforming in their jobs God, like you're saying it's like so it's, it's just a mess it's no wonder that americans prefer to watch like anime and k-dramas over the bullshit that the writers are creating like yeah. they, they can't even focus on writing a good story so <laughs> i mean like oh my gosh I'm sure the elemental writers who basically just took Zootopia and changed it to elements are probably out there on the street with their picket signs too, okay? And I'm going to walk up to them and say, I watched your film and you don't deserve more money. Chat guys, GPT we wrote a story better better. where the characters are black and gay and they're against racism. Oh my How could God. you not pay me millions of dollars for this? Literally, literally. I could sit in your writer's room for five minutes and I will understand why you're not being paid more money. <laughs> <laughs> okay amala woke up today and chose violence <laughs> I can't. Uh, youtube is censoring my content or comments uh says not censoring this one uh <laughs> talking about disney you said disney used to represent the modern world but now it doesn't D do you guys think the kids won't notice real life has gay people i don't think anyone said anything about that I'm mean, yeah, I think Disney used to represent what was classic about the world and what was timeless mm -hmm. about the world, like these human stories that regardless of what time period you were born in, you can understand. And now it's just all all modern. Uh, what was the second question about gay people? Do you guys think kids won't notice real life has gay people? Oh, I don't I don't care about, you know, having a gay character in your film or the kids see that there are same sex relationships or something like that. But I want the timeless nature of the stories to still be injected into the narrative. We just get none of that. It's just like vapid nonsense, modern day, boring blah. And of course, you know, kids are going to notice when people have two moms or, or two dads. That's not the issue. It's the coupling of like, you are oppressed and everybody's racist and we're all divided by like creed and color and all these things that Disney is putting out that makes no sense. And I, I don't want my kid to watch that and leave the theater thinking that that's what the real world is like, because it's not. Yeah, and I think I did say something about films representing 
the values of the time in which they're made, mm -hmm. which that's like just a neutral statement of that's just a statement of reality. Like nowadays we get into uh, people looking at art that was made at a different time or comedy that was made at decades ago, and you're judging it through a modern lens and not being fair-minded with with the fact that when it was made, uh, it reflected the values and the, the nature of the discourse at the time it was made. So that's all I was trying to say about that. But the, what made the classic movies great was that they did hearken to those deeper classic uh, values and timeless truths and stories that had a lot more depth because they took centuries to uh, make or they endured through centuries and so th that was the strength of disney and now they're going beyond not just even reflecting the values of the time they're taking their new ideas new postmodern ideas and jamming those into uh an agenda in the films that they make and that's why they're not resonating with people and not ringing true so and there are like tasteful that. ways to do things didn't frozen have like a, a gay couple like two gay men who were in like the the, the lot a lodge together that's where they lived in whatever land frozen is in and they didn't like kiss or anything it was just insinuated there's two men that live in in this inn i believe but then it's like let's have them kiss and let's have this kid who's confused about his gender and i think they did uh some sort of non-binary character i believe in strange world and then they wanted to kiss and light ear and all these different things it's like okay no sorry my yeah, kids didn't are not they have a the guy theater. looking for uh, tampons in one of them? Uh, oh, what was, it was that? Like Betamax. Betamax, uh, yeah. yes. And uh, I'm like, no, my kids are not going to watch that. Yeah, there's definitely piggybacking off of that. It's just it, it's a problem when Disney is focusing and the writers are focusing strictly on immutable characteristics and making that the essence of a character at large, and yep. that is the only thing that defines them and can define them. Whereas these old stories reflected the inner nature of a human being and how they can become a better one by uh you know pushing through the struggles pushing through all the hardships and and finding a way through that um and and not really caring about those immutable characteristics while they may be a factor in in the entirety of the person they are not the heart of the person it's yeah mm -hmm. i remember watching high school musical when that movie came out right and i was a high school musical stan obsessed okay and you had uh the character what was it uh ryan ryan and sharpay right which ryan was clearly like super flamboyant and into musical theater and dancing around and all this stuff and yes you could have insinuated maybe the character ryan is gay you know, maybe that's a man who in real life would have a boyfriend, but do they need to directly tell me that or do they need to have Ryan make out with a man in, in front of me in this show? No, they don't. And then the guy played by Corbin Blue, who was like sort of a little bit more macho masculine and they had this whole scene where he's like playing bas uh, playing baseball and he's like, I can't dance and they break out into a dance number. Okay, you can go, well, that's a, sort of a flamboyant and feminine thing for a man to do. And Disney is endorsing it and saying it's okay for men to dance. It's okay for them to do these things. They don't need to jump to this like larger narrative about like being LGBTQ in today's America and stuff like that. There are ways to do it masterfully where it doesn't feel like you've indoctrinated somebody with your own personal politics. Hey, hey Amen. All right. I think <laughs> we, we settled that one. I kind of want to say more, but I'm going <laughs> to. There's so many um, examples. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Likely Ivy says, Amelie, you are the biggest breath of fresh air in the absolute future. Your combo of critical thinking and compassion is just what this world needs. Oh. It is so hopeful to see. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's so sweet. Very sweet. Thank you, Likely Ivy. 
Hawulia says that's like a H W O O L I A with various letters capitalized. So I had to try to <laughs> get there. Voice. Anyways, get there. Uh, the saddest thing is that children now will not have the same experience with Disney that children from other generations have had. Old Disney was good at telling fun stories for kids and even parents. Oh yeah, hundred percent magical. Now it's tragical. Uh, now it's <laughs> tragical. Oh, I got to refresh. <laughs> it's the pun of the day. Uh, let's see. Oh, a bunch more came in. Uh, Alex Anteas says, tell me you advocate for child trafficking without telling me you're for child trafficking, Guardian newspaper. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Sometimes you think you would, you would uh, appreciate a strong stance from a publication on that it's not to say that that's what they're doing it's just to say that it's a weird hill to die on right it's just a weird backwards thing that having a predetermined commitment to an ideology above everything else uh makes you do that's what i that's my theory they truly can endorse anything that somebody who's right wing does even if it is you know saving children from human trafficking they must find a way to like reshape it to make it a bad thing yeah uh, Dave Don says, if the leftists acknowledge that human trafficking is a problem, then it destroys their rhetoric that minorities are the only ones who've suffered. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if they're thinking it through that much. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know that they are putting two and two together that easily. Mm -hmm. They're just like, if I speak positively of this, I'm lending credence to a narrative that is pervasive on the right side. And I can't do that because I have to be their enemy. So I have to bend my thinking to justify some reason to be against this. And it is not a left versus right issue, human trafficking. Shouldn't and I, especially when you get down to the elites who are uh, involved in this sort of activity, you're going to find that their political affiliation is all over the board. And did you see, I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe this is in the conspiracy territory, but uh, I th I've seen some headlines and stuff on Twitter where Jim Caviezel has said he's going to expose the pedophile ring uh, in Hollywood and mm. maybe Mel Gibson, I think, said something along those lines, too. So I don't know. Wouldn't be but, shocked. Obviously, yeah. we all know. We all know. We, all know. <sighs> we might not know who, uh, but we know. Magical Maths Head says someone needs to look into the Guardian's CEO. Is there a reason he doesn't want people looking into it? It's hard to tell. You know, you never know who's writing these stories or like, you know, how many different, you know, levels of the hierarchy they're going through before they're approved. It's very, it's very hard to tell. Kate Devlin says promote sound of freedom, people. Keep up the good work. Amala, be blessed. <laughs> Thank you. We talked about on the show positively. We got so it. We're, we're all for it. I want to go see it. <laughs> yeah. I saw something too where they have a thing where you can like pay it forward for buy tickets for other people to go see it. Oh, that's cool. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, Caviezel Meg was in Pay It Forward, I believe. So What's that's that? a little nugget. Caviezel was in Pay It Forward by, oh, another by the movie? way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. That's so funny. Serendipitous. Uh, <laughs> the, the Flash is also paying people to go in uh, to uh, see their film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You get a free case of Bud Light on your way in to yeah, uh, see the right. flash. <laughs> uh, Meguman says, the question asked the Guardian is this, why would you not be against trafficking? It must be then that they support the exploitation of children. P.S. My name is pronounced Megumin. Oh, well, they'll Meg say we're not against, we're not against, you know, we're not for human trafficking. We just don't think it's happening at the rate that they think it's happening. And then we don't think it's as big of an issue as they think it is. Stuff like that. Just insane. A lot of you are making that point, though, but so it is very tone deaf. 
for the Guardian to do that. Very. Um, the Vagrits says, my family is very conservative. However, I have some liberal relatives. Any advice on how to prevent political fights during family reunions? By the way, one family member is trans and supports GAC. You just got to be, uh, you just got to be chill. Okay, guys, you, you are really the, the last say so as to whether or not something becomes heated unless they are like determined to continue like badgering you over over politics but for the most part you're not going to change anybody's mind over you know thanksgiving dinner so keep a cool head you know respond calmly you don't have to you know get into the very depths of everything you're not going to convince everybody so keep it chill guys just be chill that's what we do just on the show we're chill, chilling yeah just be chill that's what we're here for uh, Northern Flicker says Summer Wells missing from Tennessee since June 15th, 2021. Case needs more exposure and is a po possible trafficking case Summer by her Wells. own parents to avoid CPS and jail for sexual assault. Oof. I imagine Yikes. there's like, oh my gosh, so many of these stories. Yeah, here's her story. Summer Wells, Tennessee girl missing after two years, published by News Nation. I'll have to look into this. There's just it's crazy like you can scroll on social media and it's like just so many so many stories of, of stuff like this happening and you never know you obviously you'd never know the world is just so you know crazy nowadays um yeah thanks for that northern flicker uh courtney morrison says walt disney was a thir 33rd degree freemason it's always been a satanic company but they did everything little by little club 33 is a freemason clubhouse i don't know anything about Freemasons. Now we're getting into so. conspiracy territory, but <laughs> yeah. kind of here for it. Club 33, 33rd Mason, that's the whole thing. I, I don't get into that stuff, guys. Maybe uh, maybe this was, I don't know, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> 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 My mind went to, so did y'all see that, that, you know, that lady who freaked out on the plane and was like, yeah. that person's not real or whatever, I need to get I off? I don't think that yeah. guy was the real guy. You don't think he was? No. You think he just was clout chasing? I think There's so. a guy that came out who's like, oh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a Freemason, and I was the guy next to her, and she freaked out because of my tattoos, and I was trying to control the universe, not just the world, and all this weird stuff. Anybody but could say that. He's a lizard person, reptilian, who blinks sideways. Gosh. Who knows? Yeah, right. Uh, such a crazy <laughs> world we live in. Um RJ Anderson says they told me I was oppressed because I was black whilst they have the mindset of systemic racism. You'll never get to the top because of the powers that be. And says that's part one. Oh, here's the rest. And you're going to have to work twice as hard just to get barely what they get, or you're just going to get shot by a cop. You can't go out on your own city. Yeah, no, not true. Oh, is there a part three? There might be a part three. Yes, there is. Uh, or trilogy. they stole everything from us, so we can't trust them. And my belief of us living in a free country can do what we want, the nuclear family and working, but I'm the one oppressed and enslaved. Yeah. Isn't that constantly the narrative that is projected? We constantly talk about that on the show because it's everywhere. It's probably what Anthony Mackie thinks, too. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Which buddy. is kind of ironic. Like, the more privileged you get especially in like Hollywood and media and stuff like that. Like we reacted to Joy Reid the other day, the more oppressed you uh, seem to speak about being. Mm -hmm. The more privileged you get, the more privilege you have to feel perceived <laughs> injustices. Yes. yes. Uh, 
Alex again says, hey there, gang. Talking about yesterday's video, I think it's a great example of why as a man, you should make more than your girlfriend because otherwise she will, quote unquote, start to outgrow you, which is why she divorced him. That's just ridiculous. Women, I think, do that. I guess you could say in general, women date across and up. So you probably want to be across from whoever it is that you're dating in their income. But oh my gosh, if you find the right woman, right, who actually loves you, income will not be of concern. Uh, and yeah. That, uh, that's just wild to me that she's like, I outgrew my husband and I decided to leave him. Wild. Huh. But you if got you my thoughts. you haven't seen that, guys, that video dropped yesterday. Yes. It kind of flopped a little bit by our standards just with the algorithm. Bit. Don't know what's going on there, but uh, help us out and go check it out. Give it a watch. Uh, OCD93 says, last one. LOL. Pinocchio. Scenes where the bad guys are talking about stealing little boys and taking them to Pleasure Island. Also, Disney shelved Sound of Freedom in 2018 after buying Fox. Five years later, it's finally out. I never thought about Pinocchio that way. I saw the clip on social media resurfacing yeah. and I watched it back and it is kind of creepy. They they do have a guy. I mean, it, it does still kind of fit within the narrative, so it wasn't like that insane but yeah i know that that is the general story of pinocchio it kind of always has been that whole pleasure island thing but that does make a lot more sense if you're viewing it through that isn't tom hanks in that new pinocchio oh there's a new one yeah i think there are two new ones there's the guillermo del toro one which was the the better one and then there's the tom hanks one dude oh my gosh i sent taylor a video the other day of like you know they do like actors on actors and like the actors roundtable whatever discussions and they had one with like all these male drama actors and that me too movement came up and they were all asked like how should we deal with sexual assault within hollywood and it was like tom hanks james franco who at the time his allegations were not out uh when when they made the video and everybody at the table you could tell it was like watching I don't even know how many, there's probably like six or seven. It was like watching seven guilty people trying to answer a question about the very crime that they should be convicted of. They were so nervous in answering the question. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm not going to alleged, allegedly, but we all know what happened. Yeah, in don't Hollywood. sue us. But don't sue no, us. I'm not awkward. accusing anybody of everything. I'm just of anything. I'm just saying the video was very awkward and probably for a good reason. Ooh. Uh, Patricia. Vice says, when Lord of the Rings was first published in the U.S., Gandalf was such a popular character that people wore Gandalf for president pins. In the Russian translation, evil Sauron lived in the West. Hmm. Interesting factoids. I did not know that. Mordor's in the East in the books, Mm -hmm. but I guess they wanted to equate it to Mm. America. Uh, That's very interesting. Thank you. Um, We got RJ's second one. Suspicious Duck Adventures says, my wife and I are from Washington. My wife will discover my financial choices soon. Shout out to her, Sarah. What? <laughs> what does that what? mean? That's... We'll discover your financial choices soon. And like she's already your wife? Note? That, that's a little weird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. What does Dave Ramsey say? Financial infidelity. Mm. That's what he calls that if that's what you're talking about i'm not sure it was a very cryptic message yo i watched like one dave ramsey video on tiktok and it was like someone hating on him and now i'm like stuck in the purgatory of dave ramsey <laughs> haters on tiktok it just keeps sending me videos of people who think he's the worst like so dave so ramsey's funny. not actually teaching you how to make a ton, a ton of money he's just teaching you how to be safe with your money and like all these stuff he's like i yeah. want to get you in real estate i want to get you invested i want to get you tripling your <laughs> yeah i get all of those dave ramsey videos as well 
Okay, glad it's not just it's, me. It's, uh, we're all. I swear, I swear, Taylor and I have the same for you page on TikTok <laughs> because I'll literally go through my for you page on TikTok and just like watch stuff or whatever and see stuff for the show, and I'll like send Taylor stuff, and then Taylor will like send me stuff that I just watched like ten oh, seconds prior. <laughs> but you so, didn't consider it worthy. I so did. I did. I didn't that's send a, it. I'm missing my my <laughs> mark as a producer. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Uh, TikTok algorithm is an interesting. Yeah, beast. it works. <laughs> I, I'm always trying to manipulate it. To my goal is to show me stuff that we can react to on the show, but then I'll get a hold. So I want like liberal stuff and woke stuff and crazy stuff and popular stuff, but then the stuff I'm actually interested in is like nerdy Lord of the Rings deep dives and weird <laughs> stuff like that. And of course, I have to yeah. watch some of those. So I have this really awkward mix of things on my feed that I don't. I think TikTok is like, what the heck is up with this guy? I but, get all the musical theater stuff. That's ah, like my thing. Yeah. The Jimmy Awards. Lex. So do you want to elaborate on the no, Jimmy Awards? No, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> Bohemian Grove. I will not. Oh. <laughs> um, Lex says, if you stand up for child trafficking, you bring awareness to child abuse. And then the LGBTQ plus house of cards falls apart. So they must say trafficking isn't as bad as people think. I don't know. I don't associate at all with LGBT. I think what the the thing is, it's actually very convenient to associate that associate it that way because you don't see the much larger problem, which is people from all walks of life of all steps of the ladder are engaging in this sort of behavior online. They are trafficking kids. They are abusing kids. They are, you know, soliciting lewd and lascivious materials from children on the internet uh and it's everywhere it doesn't matter if you're conservative leftist lgbt whatever uh kids need to be protected it's wild i've been watching that undercover underage show that's on um hbo max of these girls who these women who create these fake profiles in order to catch predators and get them arrested and, and placed in jail and stuff. And it's amazing how just through the creation of one account, how many individuals and of course men primarily are reaching out to to these children and they are from all different backgrounds. Ugh. Um, OK, Brittany Rodriguez says, first live, love your show. You have opened my eyes to a lot of things. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you, it. Brittany. Esther just sends a super chat. No message. Thank you, Esther Oduga. Uh, Lex, again, says Club 33 is a bar at Disney World for elites. It's like $30,000 to get in, and apparently weird stuff happens there. Huh. I know about Club 33. I have friends who've been in at least the one in uh, in L.A. I mean, from what I know, it's just like an extremely fancy, expensive dinner experience. But, uh, right. you know, there could be more Sounds nefarious like a star lounge play. type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Loma's, Lorna's Little Loves just sends a super chat. No message. Thank you. Mark Johnson says, missed the last stream, but wanted to say, I'm glad you're not on the alt-right bandwagon, uh, bandwagon of restricting voting rights. This conservative trend is sad. What does that even mean? I don't I think even that was know. Like women in... not voting. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not for yeah, taking away women's right to vote. <laughs> I don't even know if that counts as all right. I don't even know what that is. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I've only uh, heard like a handful of people actually say that. So if people actually believe that and it's an actual movement, I'd be shocked. Uh, Sen says, I work in animation and the animation union slash guild paid volunteers to campaign for Gavin Newsom. They are very leftist at their core. Disney slash animation. 
That makes sense. I don't know how that's allowed, but that does make sense. Every union, I swear, it's like they get everyone, all the members to pay their dues, and then they use that money to support yeah. extremely progressive causes and candidates. Yep. It's just jail for everyone. Just kidding. <laughs> um, Alex again says, but Amala, when you ask what most women want, six figures, six pack, six feet in height, please don't take offense to this, but have you dated women, especially in 2013? <laughs> it's not most women. I don't, I really don't think it's most women. I think that's shallow women, most definitely. None, like... I would say maybe a couple of the women that I know would say I want I want him to be six foot tall, but they're not saying like six foot six figures this and that. Um, but I mean, good luck for them. I mean, they're gonna learn. <laughs> they're gonna come to terms with the fact that most of them are not going to get that in life. But I don't know. I feel like if you're surrounding yourself with good non-shallow uh women who are just of sound mind and just have a holistic view of like life and the world they're not saying these things like uh and i i think if you're especially on the internet a lot with like these vapid like tiktok girls and instagram baddies and stuff you're certainly going to hear six foot six figure all of that uh but just not the women i know i don't know like, I think about all the women at PragerU that are here right now, and they're all young in their 20s and 30s. None of them are, you know, are like that to me, or it's not the vibe that I get from them. It's the more, more traditional. More traditional women. women. You just got to find did them. You, did you watch that TikTok I sent you earlier today? It was like this psychologist guy uh, who was talking about how at bars, women, like two equally attractive women went to a bar that he was like working with or whatever. And one of them was like, I didn't get any attention. No one really wanted to talk to me. And the other one was getting all kinds of attention. And he was like, the reason why is because one of them was projecting an energy of like needing male validation. And the yeah. other one was very secure in who they were and their identity and wasn't really projecting that. I mean, that's obviously like an oversimplification. I didn't say it as well as he did. But I, I think there's something to that, that, you know, mm -hmm. there's like dating world and dating advice and TikTok and the 666 rule and all this stuff. And then there's like real, real people who have a strong sense of who they are and are going somewhere and value themselves. And those are the people you should be looking out for and spending your time and energy on and not so much the people who are, you yep. know, the hot chick or the alpha male guy and all that stuff. Like, don't worry about all those games and mind games and stupid rules and stuff like that. Like look for mm -hmm. real people who have depth and substance and, you know, are someone that you can be with in the long haul. And That's they're not getting spiel. as much attention as the shallow ones, as he says in that video. Like my John let me in on this when we, like, when we started dating because he was constantly talking about like how guys are, how like they view the world or whatever, at least from his perspective. And he's like, guys will go into a bar and especially here in LA and whether consciously or subconsciously, they'll like, look with the girl look for the girl with the most makeup they'll look for the girl with the least amount of clothes on they'll look for the girl who's like you know can't she can't like sit there and just like be there herself and like smile to herself and share a drink with herself she has to be like looking down at her phone or has to be stimulated by something because either consciously or subconsciously they recognize that she is deeply insecure uh, be with the makeup, with the outfit, with the way that she's acting that she can't like sit freely in herself and They'll go after that girl and you'll be like, oh my gosh, that must be the hottest girl in the bar because all of these guys are coming after her. They want her Instagram, they want her phone number or whatever, but I, more so they are subconsciously making a calculation that I'm gonna have higher odds with this woman than I would with the girl who's, you know, 
in a turtleneck and she's not wearing makeup and she's sitting by herself and she's, you know, chilling at the bar, not bothered by anybody, not seeking out attention because they know that that woman's confident enough to be there by herself and doesn't need somebody to uh, validate her. So uh, just just a little two cents. I'm snapping over here. <laughs> it's the high value woman. These Go are the calculations. The high value woman in the turtleneck. And the, the confident yeah, woman. Yeah, exactly. Sitting by herself. <laughs> and they're not getting the same amount of attention. So you might actually have pretty good odds if you are also of sound mind in bringing something to the table. Yeah, because it, it takes more confidence to go after that one anyways. Yeah. You know, it's easy to go after the, the one who's all out there. And, right. Know. Anyways. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think this is the last one I have. By the way, I will still listen. This is Alex again. I will still listen and love listening to you guys' show, even though we don't agree on some dating things. I love your guys' content. <laughs> 3,000. <000. laughs> Thank you. I think there's more <laughs> after that, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I just had to refresh here. Uh, Mobile Writer says, SJW slash wokeism ideology was created by and is taught by a subset of women slash LGBT against their perceived enemy, men and masculinity. It is the pattern. Wait, I was... Uh, it's taught by subset. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that checks There's out to a certain that. extent. Yeah, definitely, that does. Like that perceived enemy note. Like I, I do think that that is there's something to that. Like the boogeymaning of the patriarchy, the boogeymaning of racism. It's the same thing we were talking about in reference to what Disney's writing their scripts in, in this world, where oh, the only thing that we have to worry about is the modern day racism and that and like latently they're saying that the one side of the aisle is still embracing all these bad racist ideals and these bad misogynistic antiquated ideals. And that's the boogeyman and the evil in the world that we have to fight. And it's just a, you know, it's a hollow, shallow worldview that is just comes from a lack of depth and really awareness of the nature of the world. So I, I resonate with at least that part of your comment. Mm -hmm. Um, Frank Mayen says, I'm about to watch Lord of the Rings trilogy extended edition again. The boys are going to be proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) The boys will be proud. (laughs) Dude, I saw, uh, on social media the other day, they're just like still images of like extended scenes that were never, weren't even put in the extended edition. And it's like on return of the King at the ending, the return of the King has like 17 endings. It's crazy. (laughs) But there was even more that Mm. they left out of the the extended edition and now i'm like all the comments were people like i need to see these scenes even if they don't put it in this cut like they need to release the 25th anniversary and i'm right there with them i'm like yeah (laughs) give me more nerds Jay Sharayan says, uh, hey, Amala, love from Singapore. What are your thoughts on this viral clip with Tim Pool and Emma Vigland from the Majority Report? I don't know that clip. I know what you're referring to. I can't remember specifically. It was she's she co-hosts that leftist show. Sam Cedar, uh, right? Yeah. He called her out on something on like see this is the type of disingenuous rhetoric that people on your side always come with and why other people like that are not welcome on my show and uh, it was the whole thing i'll have to it was, check it i'll have to see it i have not yeah, heard about that it was pretty dope um anymore let's see benny salcedo says the reason of pedophilia for only little boys in the catholic church is because of gay priests it's aggressive well i mean um, scott want to react to that <laughs> Uh, no comment at this moment no, no comment at i this mean moment. yeah I'd, uh, bad people everywhere as i said before 
They are yeah. everywhere and sometimes uh, seek out positions of power in order to enact those things. And you'll find them in uh, every industry all over mm. the world. That's the unfortunate part about it. So, guys. Yeah, it was the same thing as the point, sorry, that the, that the girl made about, you know, city morgues don't want to hire men because men will, you know, be sexual with the corpses or whatever. It's like... That's not a that's that's not a criticism of men at large. It's a it's a it's a reference to the fact that that profession specifically attracts the type of people who would want to do something crazy with dead bodies and the access that that priests happen to have with young boys would attract people who have a proclivity to do something bad with young boys. It's not a referendum on all priests or Catholicism or anything like that. So, yep, that's my two cents. And on that note, is that the last chat we end the show on? I think so. I guess. Yeah, sorry, guys. Oh, my gosh. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Leave a comment down below how you felt about some of the topics that we covered. How do you feel about Disney? Is this the death of Disney? Will, it, will we see a resurgence, a new golden era of Disney in the future once they realize what they're doing is not working? Uh, how do you feel about, what else did we talk about? The Sound of Freedom. Have you guys watched that film? Should I go watch it? And should I watch it soon? Do I need to put that at the top of my list? Leave a comment down below. And as always, like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And we post videos for you every single day. Plus, you can sign up for my newsletter. The link is in the description down below. You get a little Friday blurb from me every single week where I write about what's going on in my life. And I sent out that one this week. Anything else, Taylor? Yes, I had one more super chat that I missed a minute sure. ago from Audrey. Sorry, Audrey, thanks for reminding us in the chat. Uh, any advice for people who have to pretend to be woke, i.e. pro-LGBT, for the sake of their job slash school? I know it's cowardly, but these days you can get expelled over not affirming someone's neo-pronouns. And a relevant fact in this, she is donating in Canadian dollars, so I can only assume she's in Canada, which <laughs> right. makes sense of why there's um... a lot of compelled speech going on. I'm trying to think like if somebody to my face was asking me to refer to them as like they them or he her or whatever or he him or something like that for the most part out of just wanting the the communication to go smoothly I would abide by what they're asking just as a matter of yeah this is fine I I don't need to give you my personal like political uh, beliefs right here in this moment and I imagine that's what you would do as a teacher who has a student asking for these sort of things it doesn't require an endorsement of the larger agenda in order for you to, you know, use they, them, if, if one of your kids is asking for it. I think you have to do a personal risk versus reward on where you stand. If that's something you're wholly uncomfortable with and that it does not like sit right with you in your being, then maybe you need to reevaluate where you're working and, and evaluate whether or not you have other options. But if it's, uh, you know, something that you're willing to withstand in order to keep your job or you need the income, that's another thing too. It's about everybody's personal you know, what you can, cannot take, my opinion. Uh, a couple more just came in, so sure. we'll end on these. Kingdom Zero Zero Heart says, I wonder what is your take about the former TYT, the Young Turks political commentator, leaving the network because they feel that the hosts were transphobic, but when I watched it, I felt differently about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really keep up with the Young Turks. Are they saying, because Anna Kasparian said something along the lines of puberty blockers are not, you know, uh, reversible. She recently said that on a podcast. Maybe that's why they're leaving. Uh, I think they're having an awakening, at least on the issue of transgenderism and medical affirmation. And I'm happy to see it, uh, mm -hmm. be it from Cenk Uger or uh, Anna Kasparian. Good for them. And whoever leaves in the wake of that, bye. Yeah. <laughs>
Team uh, W for Team Reality, getting a little little purple pilled, maybe. Uh, yeah. You know, babe steps. Uh, Alex again says, "Would you guys ever be willing to go on Fresh and Fit?" Maybe. I think Amelie could kill it, but I'd have plenty to dish out to both sides of that <laughs> argument because I think both of them are kind of dumb. So that'd be fun, maybe for a night. <laughs> but it's like a three-hour podcast in Miami. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to go out of my way. That's what I'll say. <laughs> there we go. And I think that is actually it this time. All right, so, guys. Like, subscribe, it. click the notification bell to be notified when we're live. You know the schedule. You know we post every day. And I will see you on Monday. Have a fantastic weekend. Peace out. Thank you.